0: It Could All Be So Simple on CKUT 90.3 FM. Today's episode will be a part of a three-part series on the student experience with isolation, conducted through interviews that will tackle the subject of relationships, mental health, and unlikely connections during the time of confinement. Today, I'll be airing interviews from three first-year students from McGill. who will be talking about their experiences entering the world of university, living in Montreal, studying online and trying to find a place for themselves in the city in the midst of a pandemic. In our next episode, I'll be talking with international students who studied and self-isolated in Spain, France, and America. And for our final episode, I'll be talking to students who were applying to and graduating from college in the midst of the pandemic. This is The COVID Campus Chronicles, Episode 1, The McGill Diaries. Could you tell me your name, your pronouns, what you study and where you study it?
1: My pronouns are she, her. Um, I'm currently studying like a double major in English and statistics, but I changed my mind a lot. It's through the Faculty of Arts from St. McGill.
0: Lovely. Could you repeat your name again? Anna. So this episode specifically is about isolation and isolation is a pretty general term. Um, but I'm referring to a period of time during the COVID-19 pandemic in this past academic year when you've been forced to isolate yourself or keep in limited contact with other people for a period of time. Do you feel as if you've had moments of isolation during the COVID-19 pandemic? If yes, when, and for how long, and if no,
1: why not? I do feel like there's been a sense of isolation like ever since COVID and still now. I guess there are lots of memories I have there are like happy memories of connecting with others that involve being physically with them like seeing fireworks um, at like New Year's Eve with like a bunch of other people or friend or gatherings with friends um a lot of like moments like that that you take for granted until they're taken away even though right now in Montreal we can do a lot of things there is still some experiences like that that we can't quite have like music festivals. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm quite like nostalgic and missing just the general sense of connectivity, even if it's with strangers.
0: Yeah, for sure. Were you, um, were you on campus or did you choose to stay
1: off campus? So I was in residence. Um, and I did have one in class, in class creative writing the second semester, which is really good. Um, but residence was quite lonely because a lot of what makes residence life worth it is meeting so many people your age or and in the same experience as you um, having a roommate and finding out what that is like and I do feel cheated of like all of those positive aspects.
0: So you lived alone and you said that you kind of felt as if some of the experiences of living in res were stripped away um how were you able to connect with other people in your residence and if so how
1: i was able to um, there, there were lots of group chats for one thing um, like the mcgill 20 class of 2024 or entering class of 2020 that was you know like an instagram page and a facebook page and then there would be like oh here's a group chat for if you're in this class or here's a group chat for if you're Jewish or like queer or etc. Interested in coffee. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And like that was like a really big thing and I don't think that many of those group chats led to any deep long-lasting relationships but it was a fun way to just like interact with other people for the first time. And this was like starting in May, so before I'd gone to residence. And then once I got to residence, there was the expectation that like, you meet people like in the elevator or in the hallways. Um, And you really have to be direct and be like, oh, I want friends. Would you like to be my friend? I don't know you yet, but would you like to like, you know, go on a walk with me? Um, And I didn't love that directness. I think most people would rather a natural friendship that grows because you genuinely like the person that you've, your acquaintances with. It felt like everyone at Residence was trying to shortcut, shortcut straight into like a friendship, which was difficult, but we didn't really have any other choice because we didn't have a lot of casual spaces to interact.
0: Yeah. So that's actually so interesting. Um, And you felt as if that was unnatural. Do you feel like it forced friendships that weren't necessarily good or kind of friendships of circumstance?
1: I think I was lucky. I've had a pretty undramatic year. But a lot of the people I know did have friends that they were like, oh, these are bad people. <laughs> that might just be a fussy residence experience, though.
0: Yeah, no, sorry. I didn't necessarily mean that they were bad people, but uh, you kind of mentioned <laughs> that you felt as... <laughs> As if people were trying to shortcut into friendship rather than letting it naturally happen due to kind of the dire circumstances. Do you feel like that was a benefit in terms of people being more forward, or was that kind of jarring?
1: I think it it was both. I think it was necessary, um, and it was also jarring. Uh, But I mean, personally, I I do value the trait of like honesty and bravery, so even though it it was weird I wasn't like personally judging people that were very like blunt about what their needs were I guess it was also just sort of like sad to reflect that like everyone was so desperate for friendship because we hadn't seen anyone in such a long time
0: (laughs) yeah no I I definitely understand um so how you you said that you were part of some (laughs) I love saying internet communities like (laughs) like someone, you know, from the 18th century. <laughs> but you said that you were part of certain group chats or kind of like social media-esque groups um, that yeah. never ended up developing into real kind of grounded friendships. Why Why do you think that is? Or like, why did that never really pull through? Mm-hmm. Was it because people were strewn about or, um, I don't know. I think,
1: I think especially in before, before university started, there was a lot of uncertainty about what it would look like, especially as like information came out that was grimmer and grimmer and we're like, oh no, this is just never gonna end. There was, there was a need for like, I guess connection and maybe also like complaining about the situation to other people. Um, But I guess at the end of the day, there wasn't much, there wasn't enough we had in common or maybe the, the platform of being online and not seeing each other or experiencing things together made it impossible to have connections. A lot of the people on the group chats I've actually like met in person. They're like, oh, wow, you're so much like cooler and more interesting than your text messages made you actually to <laughs> You, like I feel like Tinder and like dating apps get a lot of hate and it's like kind of the same thing I think. It just doesn't work as well in my opinion at least. Maybe I'm old-fashioned.
0: No, no, I, I don't think you are. What um what do you think are the fundamentals of creating a kind of a grounded friendship or a relationship that isn't um
1: be lined into? Yeah, I would I would say shared experience.
0: How, how did you personally go about meeting people if it wasn't necessarily like an elevator friendship um, in res or was that particularly difficult?
1: That's a good question. I did meet some people online and then I was like, oh, you're, you happen to be in New Residence so you happen to be in Montreal, so we should hang out. Um, and, then, and then there was like a group chat that there were enough people in Montreal to meet up Um, And I would say the majority of the time, those meetings like they were nice um, because I was new to Montreal and frightened, but they didn't they didn't nothing became of them. Uh, I can't remember really how I met my current friends. I think it was just sort of doing that and then like a small minority of these instances were like online and then in person or on elevators worked. yeah.
0: So kind of a draw draw of the cards, is that the expression?
1: Yeah. I also, I did have a friend that every new person he met that he he liked, he added to like just this group chat. So it was him and all of his friends. <laughs> <laughs> he should have started the band. It was really, okay, that was actually really effective though. Because like, I don't know, I guess he felt like we were like chosen and we all knew at least one person and then he'd just be like, "So, what are we doing tonight?" And I could think that, yeah, I guess like the shared experience—if you go out with people enough, then you have shared experiences.
0: Definitely. But do you feel like it's um, kind of one of one of the benefits, or maybe one of the upsides of taking life online is that it allows you a certain ease of accessibility to new people? Yeah. I I guess going back to isolation specifically and the feeling of being isolated do you feel that a lot of the people I speak to and I guess in my own experience do you feel that your mental health was affected by the sort of feeling of isolation and separation and if so how and if it wasn't then Mm -hmm. you know
1: um I think it it was I mean there are some people that like the quiet life um but I don't think I'm introverted enough for that I do like to have a lot going on in my life. And I think that like interpersonal connections um, is something that gives me a lot of joy. Um, I think it's hard to feel purposeful or busy or fulfilled if you are alone in what you're doing. Yeah.
0: Would you say that kind of when you talk about purposeful, feeling purposeful, was it harder to focus on schoolwork or maybe creative projects or whatever it was that was kind of at the forefront of your
1: (laughs) productivity. When you when you go to school and you see other people working or you know since I do poetry to go to poetry events it's a constant reminder of why you're doing what you are doing whereas alone in my residence room I just had to remind myself constantly that what I was doing was important and valuable.
0: Yeah yeah. So you said that you found a lot of joy in interpersonal connections and they give you kind of uh, a sense of fulfillment. Um, And I'm assuming that you kind of had pre-existing friends and family and pre-existing connections when you arrived in Montreal. How how were you able to maintain and uphold them while in isolation?
1: It was difficult. I do feel like sometimes some of my friendships that I have are sort of on hold. I think what worked for me is to state like my, like not my intentions, but my appreciation frequently, just be like, oh, I'm thinking of you. And even though neither of us have the mental energy to have a conversation, at least we both know that we care for each other, despite the fact that we haven't seen each other in a long time. But sometimes it does feel like the skeleton of a friendship or a relationship rather than the thing itself.
0: Could you maybe explain that in a little bit more depth what you mean when you say the skeleton of a friendship or relationship?
1: Yeah I guess that um, we're not seeing each other in person so there aren't shared experiences but even more than that I feel like COVID strips us of events happening in our own life so there's just less to connect about because there's less going on with all of us and I think that A lot of people are burnt out from various causes and they're tired and frustrated. So neither of us are in the proper headspace to really create good memories. And so it sort of feels like we're both to feel ready to like, I don't know, do more Zoom meetings or have more conversations. But until then, we're just on hold. (laughs) Yeah, for sure.
0: Do you feel that your relationships have grown or adapted during COVID? And if so, how?
1: I mean, life goes on. It's been like over a year. So, so things have definitely happened. Um, I have now reunited with some of my friends that I hadn't spoken to during COVID. And that was great. But I guess, I guess I do feel like COVID was a loss. It was like an objectively bad thing in terms of my relationships. And that I could try to look for ways they've grown, but it would probably be like silver lining to a, to a bad thing.
0: Yeah, that's understandable. Do you feel that during isolation, there was maybe something that helped ground you when you were feeling maybe out of it? And what was that?
1: Um, I really like being outside with people. I guess going back to shared experiences, there's normally more like stimulation. I think that I I did spend a lot more time outside and it's a much more natural way of existing and doing that with other people is really nice. And it's something that I sort of felt in the rush of pre-COVID years.
0: Yeah, for sure. And what were ways of connecting with people that you loved or enjoyed during COVID, if there were? And if not, what did you learn or maybe gain from limited access to others or time with yourself?
1: Okay, so so I did spend a lot of time with my family during COVID before I moved to residence. Um, You know, sort sort of stuck in one house with all of them. Something that my mom did, which I thought was useful, was that she took a lot of photos so that she was making small and happy moments significant. Um, So like if my brother was painting something or we were playing chess or had a nice dinner, she would take a photo of it to prove that the summer of COVID wasn't wasted. It was still something. I think
0: that's all we have for today. Um, And I'm very sorry about bad connection um, but I wanted to thank you so much for doing this interview with me
1: yeah thank you for having me it was an interesting conversation
0: up next a song from New York-based artist and my friend Zuzu this is summer solstice New Year by Planet
2: Zeus you probably won't get it but that only it's here to stay. Just take a minute get lost in it Tomorrow isn't better day, And I'll say When you want it, then you got it If you need me, you can call me Anything to see your face Cry your tears out and you're bawling But you know dollars in my bank account that's all
0: New Year by Planet Zoos, produced by Kevin Darcy or Rafiki Music. To talk in more depth about this song and their most recent musical release, I sat down for a quick interview with Planet Zoos. I guess we'll start off with like, what are your, what are your name? (laughs) What's your name? (laughs) and.
3: My name is Zuzu Um, and my little like stage name I guess you could say is Planet Zeus but I put on all my
0: songs so yeah. Uh, What are what are your pronouns? She and they. Hot girl shit um (laughs) Mm -hmm. what's uh what's this EP about? Um I just in the words
3: of sweetie I wanted to make something fun for the summertime something for the girls to get ready to that was like the vibes that was the vibes of the EP um I just wanted to do like like pop I guess like I was very into like the Doja Cat and like Ariana type sound that's kind of like what I you know took from and I just wanted to like make a fun summer EP because I was like after like COVID and stuff, I was like, well, we're still in COVID, but like, I was like, I am, it was just like, I want to be like having fun, being outside, like going to parties, like being the girl who like dances in the, in the, in the middle of the circle at the parties. You know what I mean? So I was like, I want to make like an album that, or an EP that kind of like, just like represents being outside. Like there's literally a song called We Outside. Like that's what it was.
0: And is this kind of your first time working with, like, the pop genre? Like, I know that, like, tell tell me kind of about your music history. Yeah, I would say that, like, I'm usually, like, my
3: music is, like, kind of sad and, like, indie, you know, um, tendencies. It has indie tendencies. Uh, I don't really do, like, you know, pop tight beats it's usually like lo-fi alternative so like this was like my first time like just like kind of doing you know the basic pop sound but I I think it was like actually harder than like writing my typical style because even though the lyrics in pop are like really simple and easy to like understand it's like this is like actually hard like people who are pop stars I really have to like give it up to
0: them. No, for sure. Um, I mean, I was going to ask, like, what genres, of a majority answer that. Um, how do you want the listener to feel while listening to your songs? Um, for this specific
3: project, I just wanted to people, people to feel, like,
0: good, just, like, bubbly,
3: summery vibes. Like, I wanted people to feel confident while listening to it, feel like, I don't know, like, a perk of happiness. That's why I chose all those, like, happy, upbeat
0: instrumentals. What's your favorite song on the EP, if you have one?
3: Mm, I think it's either Sailor Moon or Summer Solstice New Year. Um, I think Sailor Moon is produced by Whirlish Mook, and then Summer Solstice New Year is produced by Kevin Darcy or Vicky Music. They're awesome.
0: Why do you make music?
3: I make music because hmm that's actually an interesting like question I feel like I I don't know I've just always been like artistic like you know we worked at the damn museum like we know this but like I just I don't know I feel like music has always been like my medium like writing and music have always been my mediums I've done like other creative stuff but it's definitely writing and music that's the main thing so I'm like I just want to have people like able to hear what I'm creating and like sing and have fun like I this is like something that I genuinely want to do obviously I have like you know going to college and doing like my environmental studies major but like if I could like make money off my music and be happy like writing and and, you know singing I would take that opportunity for sure
0: do you have any like inspirations in terms of musicians or songwriters or anything of that sort yeah, I,
3: um, I'm really inspired by, well, Mitski for one, I feel like she, like, it's an amazing, like, poet and writer, and I'm like, bro, how does one, like, every time, I feel like with all, all my inspirations, I'm like, how do you even do this, though? Like, <laughs> like, Mitski, Lana, even though I like her older stuff, um, Bjork, Frank Ocean, um, just, like, people like that I really like the deep like singers and I'm like I don't even I try to make my lyrics deep but I'm like bro, it's not not doing the same it's just not
0: no I feel that I listened to a pearl the first time I listened to a pearl I like I I like cried in my kitchen I was like what
3: is happening no and it's like I feel like the way that like Mitski and Bjork especially, right, it's like really just poetry being sung and that's like all music, but like there's, they kind of just put a melody to like speaking, I guess. I, that sounds so like dumb, but like it's. I No, it's, not at all. You're totally right. Yeah. Like they're telling stories, I guess. And I'm like, bro,
0: how even do you do this? I can't. <laughs> I know it's crazy. So like, do you, but do you feel like there's some kind of <laughs> can you aim to have that same like upbeat pop hot mm. girl summer energy and look for a depth in your lyrics or is that just like <laughs> I feel
3: like I mean I think yes but like it definitely wouldn't be like I don't think I could do like a hot girl summer type song with like jude lyric material <laughs> like that would be so, Like I don't even know how that would, I think okay I think actually with um summer solstice new year I, like the lyrics are very simple but it's like about you know kind of like bringing yourself out of like a depressive episode or like you know spiraling and it's but it's like upbeat and cute like it, it was giving solar power by lord i think so i i, I like you know things like that. yes
0: do you i mean you don't you also don't have to answer this but i feel like definitely during covid i mm-hmm. had like periods of self-isolation especially online like dude during online college where i was like so like unironically depressed where I would just like not leave my room for nine days and it was very hard to get out of that do you feel like you're working on this project was a way to like look towards a future or a summer where you could like go outside and
3: yes yes 100% like I feel like I was like all right I need to just like actually start doing stuff during the summer because like it's not just COVID that made me think like this and obviously like you still have like you know restrictions and whatnot but like I feel like being outside is like literal and like also metaphorical because it's like you just have to kind of like step into yourself if you want to quote unquote be outside like be like a loud or not not necessarily loud but just like a not like Super like, uh, like aware of yourself. You know what I mean. Like in a way that's like prohibiting. You know, like ego death type thing. Like that's what I. That's what I think of when I think of being outside. <laughs>
0: like, so like to be outside is your truest, authentic self. And in order to be your truest, most authentic self, you need to not be self conscious because like, your fear of looking stupid makes yeah. you unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
3: Exactly. Like this thinking of like when I'm like at Washington Square Park and like people are dancing and like why like I feel like I sometimes have moments where I'm like self-conscious about that I'm like why though like I'm just happy and having a good time like there's literally no reason to you know be so you know embarrassed of myself.
0: Okay so say I like I'm I, Naomi just played the song on the radio and I'm like, wow, that song slaps so hard. I love it. Where else can I listen to your music?
3: I am on SoundCloud at Planet Zoos, or you can type in Zuzu Addy in the SoundCloud search bar. I'm trying to expand to Spotify and, you know, all music platforms um, probably later this year. So that's what I'm like trying to get uh, focused towards, but all of it's on SoundCloud for the time being
0: how else can we like support you
3: um i am also on instagram at planet zoos that's where i like promote my music that's where i like do you know all the posting and all the like repost of my friends i would just say literally just listen to the music send me a message if you like it you know post about it on your story tag me like any like literally anything is good like even just to listen but i really appreciate it when like people go out of their way to like comment or like repost and it's like people that I don't know and I'm like wow like this is actually like reaching people so it's really cool
0: and finally do you have any upcoming projects Mm, works right
3: now but like I said I'm going back to my like sad girl roots so the next the next couple songs I mean, they're not gonna be they're not gonna be outside <laughs> they're gonna be inside <laughs> but, but <laughs> they're still gonna be cute they're still gonna be cute
0: <laughs> all right thank you so much for letting me interview <laughs> thank you That was Zuzu, the musician behind Planet Zoos. For more of their music, you can find them on SoundCloud under Planet Zoos. No spaces, all lowercase. Coming up next, two more interviews with McGill students. Once again, you're listening to CKUT 90.3 FM. It Could All Be So Simple, Episode 1 of the COVID Campus Chronicles.
4: tell me your name, pronouns, what you study, and where? Okay, cool. I am Blair Jackson. My pronouns are they, them. I study linguistics in the Faculty of Arts at McGill.
0: That's awesome. Thank you, Blair, for talking to me about this. (laughs) So this episode is about isolation, and isolation is kind of a general term, but I'm referring to a period of time during the COVID-19 pandemic during kind of this past academic year when you've been forced to isolate yourself or keep in limited contact with other people for a period of time. Do you feel as if you've had moments of isolation during the COVID-19 pandemic? If yes, when, for how long,
4: and if no, not really, why not? Uh, Definitely, like in the beginning of the pandemic, of like around March 2020, I was still in high school and so I was used to going to school every day and that was a really, that immediate shock of it definitely put me in a period of isolation for a long time because, you know, we said, oh, just don't go anywhere at all. And then this will all be over. So I, you know, flung myself into like, you know, a hunker down mode in my house. Um, but in in that McGill, um, I think the hardest and I think the most profound moment of isolation for me was when I, in the fall semester, um, I lived in RVC, and around October, the Quebec government was like, okay, cases are getting worse again. We're just gonna lock down for 28 days. Obviously, it didn't end up being 28 days, but um, and so not only, you know, did I already live in RVC, but people weren't allowed to like see each other in their rooms. Like I couldn't have other people in my room. Um, even though they lived on the same floor as me, uh, the only time I ever saw other people was if I, so this is actually when the RVC cafe wasn't even open yet. So I had to walk to T4 to eat. Um, and mm. if I stopped saw- my way to C4 <laughs> you know like that was cool or I would ask you know my other friends in RVC when you're gonna go eat can I come with you and that was the only interaction I really had that entire span from October to the end of the fall semester um and yeah it was so it was super socially isolating I was in single dorm room for probably like 20 out of 24 hours of my day. Mm-hmm.
0: And how, how do you feel like you were able to make friends when you were like so isolated?
4: Well, I guess something that helped was the fact that, you know, September was kind of a really loose month as far as COVID restrictions went. So... We, you know, we were able to go to like the cat cafe, for example, like I would meet someone on my floor at RVC and I would invite them to go, you know, do something with me or um, I would hang out in their room with them or something. Um, I feel really lucky that like the, the dorm that I lived in and the floor that I lived on, we were all very open, like we would leave our doors open if you said hi, like we would have stuff on our doors, you know, if you would say hi to us, we would, you know, start having a conversation in the bathroom if you wanted to. Um, that sort of attitude kind of toned down once, you know, we kind of went back into isolation mode and hunker down mode. But in the first month of it is kind of where I made the majority of my friends. And those are the same people that I stayed with, you know, during the time where we would only ever leave the building to go eat.
0: Hmm. Yeah, but that also requires, like, quite a bit of extroversion. Do you feel like isolation or, like, quarantine really pushed people to kind of be extra social, or was this kind of, I don't know, maybe this, like, the norm for
4: you? Um, honestly, I think it did, like, because, like, for example, I wouldn't have been that extroverted, and I wouldn't have reached out that actively if if it wasn't for the fact that quarantine was a thing I like personally for me I know that I can't obviously speak for everyone um but you know I was not only just like blessed randomly with an extroverted floor but I kind of you know felt like a social need to be extroverted like for a survival kind of instinct I was like okay (laughs) go find friends but I do know folks that aren't so extroverted that didn't find anyone at all during that time period. Um, so it honestly depends on how far you're willing to go, I guess, um, and, and how far out of your comfort zone you're willing to go. Yeah, no, that's definitely
0: understandable. Um, kind of going off of, you mentioned that you spent around 20 of 24 hours kind of in your room. Um, that definitely, and and you didn't have a roommate, right? Yeah, no, I lived in a single. So how, how was that kind of mentally um, when you weren't, especially during those moments where you kind of just went outside to go eat with people and that was kind of the only interaction you had outside <laughs> or with other people,
4: how did it affect you spending that much time alone? Um, if I hadn't been prepared by the fact that, you know, I lived in, I was in my house for every single day, all day, every day in the beginning of the pandemic. And also the fact that I had to do a 14-day 14 quor- 14 quarantine entering Canada. If those things hadn't happened, I probably would have been way worse off. So I was already mentally kind of prepared for living that kind of life. But I think the fact that I never really knew when it was going to end, I never really knew you know, how long I would have to be living like that was definitely the worst part of it. Um, honestly, it got to the point where I left early to go back home, like, for the holidays, and I did all my, my uh, finals at home, because, you know, I could, because it was online, uh, because I just, like, I simply couldn't, I couldn't, take it anymore I couldn't really rationalize the fact that I was there you know I was in a small box on a campus that I didn't even have any classes in um and honestly I think it made me like just like the whole like experience of being in a dorm room and never really leaving um made me a lot more socially like like it kind of made me kind of forget how to interact with people like I remember coming back here and even even after I had lived in an apartment for my second semester which I'll get to as to why I left but um I came back and you know I went from relative isolation in Montreal to total you know USA live free or die type freedom over there (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to interact with people. I don't remember how to do facial expressions because people can see my face now. <laughs> um, so I think it really affected me in the sense that like I I like forgot kind of how to talk to people. I would sleep for way more of the day than I should have um, just because I didn't really have anything to do besides, do my classwork and just sit there. So I just ended up sleeping a lot because, you know, if you're sleeping, you're not really thinking. Um, so, you know, that's great. Um, and I basically was either sleeping or doing classwork or going to lunch um, or dinner or wherever I went. I forgot <laughs> sometimes. That's not me because I, <laughs> I love my food. I would just kind of forget to eat or I would forget to do this or I'd forget to go take a shower. You know, I think self-care really goes out the window, um, either subconsciously or even consciously because, you know, you're not seeing anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, what's, what's the point? Like, who's going to see me? So why does
4: it matter if I'm like working out or showering or? Like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. At one point, I just kind of kicked my own butt, and I said, "You need to do this for you because you obviously feel way better when this when you take a shower or when you do this or that." Like, yeah, like I need to do this for me. I feel better when I've eaten something. I can I you know, if I forget, I'm gonna set myself a reminder or this or for that. Um, but I ended up, I did end up leaving RBC. Like after I went home, I I had already had a like around. Um, the end of November I'd already had arrangements to like leave RVC and move into an apartment that I um so I just I ended up doing that and it was a little bit easy not 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 much because as you know you know the beginning of winter and that whole time was relatively similar as far as you know in January we had the curfew and and all of this stuff but um it was a little bit easier being able to make my own food and, and see folks that I love with and, and stuff like that. But, um, but I basically, I did end up leaving RVC because I knew that I probably, that sustaining that lifestyle wasn't going to be good for me mm-hmm. physically or mentally. And thankfully RVC was really good about it. Like, housing was really good about leaving during this whole time. And they didn't um, really do anything to stop us. Basically, mm-hmm. I let them know. They, they, they usually said, oh, well, you need, uh, we're finding you a month's rent. So when I told them I was leaving, I made it specifically so that, like, I would still be around for part of the month that they were finding me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Because I'm gonna play you, but it was was easier than I guess it probably would have been before because I think that they were sympathetic to us to some degree.
0: Yeah. I mean, kind of building off of that, do you feel like McGill as an institution provided some sort of resources for students who were like struggling with isolation or virtual classes Uh, And like, if they didn't,
4: what could they have done better? Um, They had those like contact people um, as far for like mental health and and stuff that they had, they had um, like started, got what instituted it, they'd stuck there (laughs) at um, at the, you know, like, you know, when the pandemic was was going on. I I think I contacted one of those folks at one point or another and they just told me, like, oh, I'm so sorry, like, that's happening to you. We can't really do anything about it, obviously, so, like, try to speak to the people who live on your floor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what could McGill have done better in terms of helping out students who are
4: struggling with uh, mental health during isolation? You know... Um, I think Miguel is just famously bad at, like, letting people know even what their resources are, because I remember when I first, like, came here, somebody warned me, they were like, you have, like, a lot of stuff at your disposal, but Miguel isn't going to really tell you it's there, and you have to go looking for it on your own, um, so, you know, a lot of these kids are, you know, they need help, whatever, they don't really know where to turn, um, I think I, I, like, I understand that we didn't obviously, like, have a whole, oh, like, it's COVID, you know, people, everybody's going to be isolating, all the classes are going to be online, infrastructure in place before it happened, because nobody knew it was going to happen, but I think Miguel does just, like, need to get better at letting people know what resources are available, um, just, like, Encouraging people to use said resources, um, stuff like that. Yeah, um, I don't sure. want to criticize too hard, <laughs> like the fact that they weren't entirely organized regarding just like things that could happen in the pandemic, um, because none of us were. But yeah, you
0: also mentioned a little bit earlier that you were kind of able to meet new people on your floor. Um, But you, I'm sure when you came to McGill had like existing relationships, like friendships, family, et cetera. Um, How were you able to maintain those? And do you feel like in some ways maybe you weren't or would it not have really mattered because like you moved countries? So you probably would have been calling anyway. I don't know. How how have your relationships adapted? Like your existing ones?
4: I think in the fall semester I at the begin, in the beginning, I was really good at keeping up with my friends and stuff like that. but then I think it was kind of mutually we were so wrapped up in this the amount of stress we were under and we were so wrapped up in like you know the mental health issues that we were experiencing because of this that mutually I think we just my, my friends from home and I kind of fell out of touch um, going back home in, the middle of the year you know in the semester break really helped um kind of reestablish that but and I actually as far as like my family goes there was a period of time in in the middle of the fall semester where I kind of just like forgot to call them or forgot to check in on them um and they were like kind of worried about me during that time and it wasn't that I was actually like doing worse or anything I just I was so wrapped up in, you know, I lived this new life. Now I live in this different city. These are my friends. This is my support system here. And I just kind of forgot that I had a life elsewhere. And it just, and it just mattered to me a little bit less. Um, And I kind of neglected to realize, you know, they want to hear from me. They miss me, you know, all of this kind of stuff. So actually, like, I have a tattoo that says, call your parents now. but. as as an eternal reminder
0: Um, (laughs) that's so funny you know
4: well because you not to be dark and depressing but you never know when the last time you're going to call your family is so yeah you know it just like not doing it for a month is definitely not the best practice so call your parents (laughs) call your parents they want to hear from you it can make their day if you call your parents Um, same thing with, if you have siblings, brothers and sisters, calling them directly makes them feel really special. Um, I have grown siblings, so obviously when I call my parents, they are not there. Um, but yeah, I think I had a hard time maintaining relationships back home overall. I think it ended up getting better after I was able to kind of adapt more and like get used to the fact like the, you know, the COVID reality in Montreal, but it definitely, especially when, I you know, I was just, just getting used to college classes and, you know, all the work that I had to do and what my new routine would look like. I think, you know, my relationships back home were left on the back burner for a while.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely understand. You just, like with in terms of dealing with the new workload of classes, all of the classes, at least at McGill were online as they were at a lot of universities this year. Do you feel like you had a chance to connect with classmates or kind of in what ways was virtual education helpful? And on the flip side of that, what do you feel like you lost when you were online learning?
4: I just like, if for the second part of the question, I simply cannot focus as well or or retain information nearly as well in an online class, especially on Zoom. Because I feel less of a captive audience. I, I can't really, <clears throat> I'm not paying attention enough. So I'm not um, retaining information enough. And I honestly feel like I could have really engaged with the material a lot better if it, if it wasn't like that. And so I kind of feel like I lost like opportunities to like really fully understand what was going on just in favor of getting a grade in an online class you know Mm -hmm. um so it kind of felt a little bit hollow like I was just doing things going through the motions to just like do well in my first semester of college um as far as as far as relationships with classmates, I think I only really had any semblance of friendship with my classmates in my Russian class um, because we had to do group projects together and we had to mm. speak Russian to each other and we had to get to know each other in Russian. So we were like, we were at first we were randomly assigned. We were just kind of forced to, to, speak to each other on video. Um, and that was like, I think the the number one way I got friends in my, in my classes, I like the majority of my friends were not from classes. I didn't have friends in any other class besides those guys, um, besides the Russian class. I think the majority of the friends that I got were just because like, you know, people who left their door open on the floor or, you know, as people I ran into in the bathroom, in my, in my dorm, um, or what have you.
0: Yeah, no, I, I get that, um, but you also, like, you met a lot of people, like, (laughs) I think at least in, like, you have a lot of roommates, um, we actually met through Alice, like, your current partner, Um, so I, I got the impression that you kind of were able to interact with a lot of people, but you also mentioned that, uh, during isolation, you kind of unlearned (laughs) how to talk to people. Um, so how, how was it interacting with and meeting new people in the midst of like very serious lockdown with early curfew and kind of that sort of atmosphere? What was that like?
4: So honestly, the godsend and the reason why I know the amount of people that I know is another girl on my floor um, who had kind of an, uh, an established group of friends, um, basically because of a group chat uh, that was advertised on the McGill 2024 Instagram. Um, so that whole group of people kind of, it, I would consider like my, my, main, my main cohort now Um, but it all just came from a girl that I was in the same dorm as and like lived in like quite far away actually um on my floor um so yeah and um so those people I would consider my friends now and that's how I met my current partner as well um but it was really awkward like getting to know all of them because majority of the interaction we did was like group chats and we were like you know we did the same thing as my as my floor friends did you know do you want to meet at new res and have breakfast and then go you know eat on campus or whatever like that's kind of the majority of what we did um, mm-hmm. um, but it was hard and you know not everybody was was in Montreal at that point in time either um, yeah. so the, the folks that I you know, it took, it took me probably a longer time than I, am used to just like integrating myself into the group and like totally feeling comfortable with the people that I was with. Um, mm-hmm. It, you know, fully opening up to folks is I was not used to doing that at all. Um, yeah. And just like becoming, just like becoming just socially comfortable and like less guarded group of people was definitely like a harder thing for me to do. Um, but yeah, no, my roommates now, um, are all from that group, except for, except for one that my, my partner knew already. So, um, yeah, yeah, so obviously (laughs) like if I hadn't met that group of people, then I wouldn't know nearly the volume of people that I know now. So, but so you, you talked
0: about kind of, but if I, if I understand correctly, it was kind of through an online community, right? So then, there's this sort of requirement uh, to there. There's a there's a difference between meeting people online and then meeting them in person during a pandemic, and then you kind of have to adjust to meeting new people. Also, after being locked in your room and like sleeping for fourteen hours <laughs> and yeah, getting off your
4: computer. <laughs> it was definitely kind of odd. They because of the interaction line um but a, a lot of the folks were in montreal because the majority of the group is canadian um so they were able to get to montreal no problem back then yeah i mean so speaking it was of, oh go ahead sorry I know it was, just, it was just kind of odd because, you know, they knew me from, you know, we all knew each other online and they had already kind of started meeting each other. And then I just kind of like popped at, into existence randomly. So they already kind of knew everyone. And I was like, great, thanks, guys. Welcome. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> um, I guess speaking specifically about
0: Montreal itself, how... Um... How do you feel the city of Montreal changed or responded to COVID-19 and how, how was it with the curfew and sort of um, the restrictions on group sizes and masks and yeah, what, what are your, what was your personal response and experience with that?
4: Montreal's like doing pretty well right now. So obviously they did something right. I don't know what exactly the something that they did right was, but they did something right in their kind of smattering of different rules and stuff. Um but it was weird because when I first got there, it was bars were open and all of this stuff was open, and it was, you know, August and September, and the summer had been really good. There weren't very many cases, and then you know, October hits, and it's an entirely different place altogether. So I think I had, to like, kind of got this expectation of, of Montreal and how it was going to be during the pandemic in the beginning of my time there. And it was kind of just shattered in October and November. And, um, you know, I didn't really, like, I still haven't been to a bar. Because I, I, I didn't want to. Back in September, because I just didn't think it was the best idea. Just because something's open and just because you can do something doesn't mean it's the best idea, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, because like you know, people did end up you know going to bars and being super spreaders and stuff, and I was like, you know, I'm just not going to do this right now. Um, but. The way Montreal handled it, I, it it seemed really, really random and weird for me because I hadn't lived in Montreal before. I didn't know, you know, like how any how things worked there, it, and I didn't live in it during the beginning of the pandemic. So whenever they did things, it just seemed random and weird. And you know, whenever they said, "Oh, like actually, this was this was this was Quebec specifically," mm-hmm. um, when people was like, "Oh yeah, so you're gonna be in a red zone." For October I didn't know what that meant I didn't know that it was going to be extended for five months you know what I mean yeah um, so I guess I I guess at first I believed everything you know I thought that things are going to stay relatively stable um I, I believe people when they said something was only going to last 28 days So like <laughs> Um, which obviously no, knowing this now, um, and being, you know, residents of Montreal, we all know that when somebody says it's going to be 28 days, they really mean 270 or whatever. (laughs) But regardless, (laughs) um, it was just, it just seemed really random to me, even though it obviously wasn't because I don't know the bureaucracy behind it. So I kind of just really felt like I was being taken for a roller coaster ride, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and now things are opening up so quickly, and and I just, like, I can't keep track of it, because I'm not there anymore, and I'm like, all right, you guys have fun. Do what you're gonna do. I'm just gonna sit here and be, you know, as safe and responsible as I feel secure doing, and yeah. It's kind of like what I was doing. It's like, like, I'm not going to bars. I, that feels weird right now.
0: Yeah. When, when you were um, kind of in a, in a place of deep isolation and um, kind of in a, in a bad routine where you felt like your self-care was like out the window. And I say this, by the way, like having experienced similar things, I'm not here to be like Blair did bad things, (laughs) Blair suffered during covid (laughs) nobody else did but when you were kind of in in that place what were ways that you were able to ground yourself or like uh, what were ways that you were able to to get back to um a happy place or did you feel like there weren't any ways and and you had to like leave ultimately
4: um I tried my best. Um, none, of the, none of the ways that I, I really tried like ever fully grounded me. Sometimes I would play my guitar um, or I would um, before, because this is all before curfew because that was a January thing, but I would um, go on walks in the middle of the night with even if it was super cold out um, in fact, that happened a lot. I would just like, you know, grab friends. Some of them were from different reses. We would just all go for a walk in the middle of the night, do something random, go to A&W because it's the only thing that's open 24 hours or or what have you. Um, I think one of those was like those kind of excursions were one of the main things that kept me grounded because it kind of reminded me that there was an entire city outside of this box that I was living in. But ultimately... Um, when it came down to it, just like the promise of I'm going home in the semester break, you know, I'm going to see folks, I'm going to live with folks and, you know, <laughs> I'm going to see dogs, um, kind of helped me out. And actually speaking on the animal thing, my roommate that I, that I ended up moving in with the second semester, my winter semester, s- yeah, winter semester, they call that winter semester in this country. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, had a cat, she had a cat. So that was really nice and I think honestly the cat helped my mental health a lot. Yeah.
0: I I definitely get what you're saying. There was like a point in where um I was like for an English class I was reading Slaughterhouse-Five and like the whole premise is that the protagonist is unstuck in time and I would just be like in my room sleeping doing work sleeping doing work going on like an afternoon walk for five minutes and I felt (laughs) like none of it was real like I was very um,
4: I was disassociating a lot did you feel that as well or I don't know (laughs) yeah like to dissoci- bleh, dissociation like I already have derealization like chronically so that did not help I
0: yeah no that's definitely understandable you you spoke a little bit about going out into Montreal and kind of exploring the city um in terms of a way to to ground yourself and connecting with people but during isolation was there anything that brought you joy or like were there ways of connecting with people that you loved or enjoyed? Uh, You spoke a little bit about the the fact that isolation forced people to connect. Maybe that was good or if not, what did you learn or maybe gain from spending time with yourself?
4: I definitely have, a newfound faith in, in people in the sense that humans are just really good at making do with what they have. And I think we all were able to like adjust our expectations as this thing went forward. Um, and I think like my my whole group of folks that I cared about and enjoyed and, and and would spend my time with when I could was, you know, we would make do with what we have, even if it was you know, um six degrees out, we would go walk the Place des Arts because it still looks nice. And when it's all closed down in the winter, there are the still lights going on. We would, you know, say, hey, we all live in the city. We would crack jokes and we would do a handstand or whatever. We would look at the the weird dog sculptures. Um And, you know, that would make us kind of feel closer to each other, more connected to the place that we live. And like that, if you don't have a group of folks or if you don't stay connected to the place you live, you could just be living anywhere. You know, when I was, you know, when I was in my box, I would be anywhere right now. Like, why do I have to be here? Um, but those little moments of like grounding and, and exploring and like really like brought me true joy. And I was like, okay, cool. I like the fact that I'm here. I like being here and I want to be here to an extent. I remember my the, the day that I knew that I really wanted to pursue my current girlfriend was when we all went on a train ride together. We did the entire Montreal um, Metro system in a day. And we timed it, um, and you know nothing was really open, um, but we did it anyway because it was one of the only things that we could do, and we were like I said, being resourceful, making do with what we had, and it was one of the most fun experiences I, I had, and I still remember it like super clearly. And when everything else is kind of a sea of really, really vague memories. Like I know I would typically do this. um, Those things really stand out. So I think, you know, sometimes you just gotta be super creative with what you're given.
0: That's it for episode one of the COVID Campus Chronicles, broadcasts on It Could All Be So Simple and Radio Moon. Make sure to tune in to the next episode on August 19th at 2pm on 90.3 FM. A huge thank you to interview subjects Blair, Anna, and Ava for agreeing to talk to me. And thank you to Zuzu for sharing their music and story with our station. Today's episode featured audio samples from Vampire Weekend, Cleo Soul, and Swing Lin. All research, interviewing, and audio mixing done by me, Naomi Murdy, with overview by Jack Solar. You're listening to It Could All Be So Simple on CKUT 90.3 FM. It was my pleasure to host today. Thank you for tuning in.